You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's the show created by you, the caller, the listener, the fan, the friend, the phenom, the feline. You make it, you break it, and you break it, you buy it. Do you get what I'm, what I'm saying here to you today? Because I, uh, I don't fully understand how this works. But we do have some phone calls we can get to if you want to hear... Want to hear that? Let's try that out and see how that goes. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, there Packer, he is. Packer super fan. Hey. Ryan, 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 Ryan. Oh, boy. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Sandy Watkins. Oh, uh, boy. I'm, I'm certainly, you know, kind of over this subject. Um, but uh, <laughs> and I promise I won't bring it up. <laughs> we got to pause here for a second. I'm not certain that you're over this subject yet. I'm just going to be honest with you, super fan, but please go ahead. I'm any more after this call today. I will not speak of Sammy Watson <laughs> after this call. Um, I promise. All right. But I got to get this off my chest. All right. So, yeah, in, in uh, 12's presser yesterday, he absolutely wanted to point out Sammy Watson and having good practices since the New Orleans Saints practice. I think there's more to the story here behind the scenes than, we're, than what's come out uh, about the Sammy Watkins pickup in the offseason. Um, what I think has happened here is this is a Randall Cobb 2.0 pickup. I believe 12 wanted Sammy Watkins over some of, maybe some of the other veterans that were out there and went to bat for Sammy Watkins and you know ultimately convinced Brian to bring Sammy Watkins in. And so I think that's why you're seeing him now, you know, um, have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about Sammy and the fact that Sammy isn't getting any love from the fans and or the press. Um, but the thing I keep going back to is, you know, there weren't a lot of reports out of training camp about Sammy Watkins doing a whole lot. Yeah, he had a couple nights practices, a uh, few notes, but not a lot. And then or anybody there up is. there just say, you know, Sammy's you know, just fantastic. I just haven't not heard that. Um, you know, I, I think Matt LaFleur has maybe brought it up a couple times in a couple uh, press conferences that, you know, you know, Sammy's a veteran and, you know, you know we're going to rely on him and those types of things. But I think this is just Aaron Rodgers being a little myth that his guy is not getting the love that he should be getting. And he's be a little protect, protective of Sammy right now. Um, unfortunately, you know, is going to get a rude awakening when Sammy goes out there, is not where he's supposed to be, can't run anymore, gets hurt after week two, whatever the case is. You know this is going to happen. This is the way it goes for Sammy. So, but I, I wouldn't read any more into it than that. I think, you know, he's just protecting. And I think he also resents the fact that the coaching staff is pushing nine and seven on him. And he's like, wait a minute, I, I got my guy in 11 here. And I, so I think that's what's going on. 
Um, but again, I promise I will not bring this up again. We're going to see week one's coming, and we're going to see what 11 does. Um, and again, I, anything we you there? Oh, oh, I think you ran out of time. Uh, Three-minute cutoff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I think as far as if you were to make a list of all the guys that the Green Bay Packers have brought in, whether good or bad, how many of them have been even as good in their careers, injuries and all, as Sammy Watkins? Very few. Now, granted, usually the ones that are bigger names, you know, like Jimmy Graham and whatnot, are the ones that don't pan out. But Zadarius never had this level of pedigree. Preston never had this level of pedigree. Maybe Adrian Amos did. I don't know. Billy Turner didn't. Um, again, going through the most recent guys that we've added. Razul never was as productive as a player as Sammy Watkins. Um, Devondre Campbell was never anywhere near as good as Sammy Watkins. I mean, Robert Tunyon was a nobody when we grabbed him. So, I mean, if you were to just look at everybody that we've grabbed along the way, Jaron Reed, I mean, the guy has had nothing but praise based on doing nothing in his career, and Sammy Watkins can't get any love, and he has been productive as a wide receiver in the NFL. Maybe, does, I mean, clearly hasn't lived up to his draft height. And yeah, injuries are concerned, but injuries are concerned for half the league. I really think the Sammy Watkins injury thing is, is over overplayed. Every other available free agent wide receiver had injury issues. Sammy Watkins apparently is the only one that anybody cares about. Julio Jones is having injury issues at the age of 42. Didn't matter to anybody else, still wanted him. So, I mean, if my whole thing is if Sammy Watkins can just come in and be the same guy that he has been, I think I'm okay with it. Because I, I think we're lower on him than we should be. I mean, if you just look at his grades, he grades out better than pretty much any wide receiver we've had not named Devontae Adams for a very long time. He's better than Lazard's ever been. He's better than MVS has ever been. Arguably better than Cobb's been at least the last five years. Obviously better than Amari was last year. Better than Jake Kumaro, Geronimo Allison, Jamon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown, Trevor Davis, Jeff Janis. I mean, outside of like Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson... Like the premier guys, even Randall Cobb back in whatever he was, you know, 2015, 16, whenever he was in his heyday, there, there's a clear upper echelon of guys that we've had, and then there is a lower tier of guys. As far as the lower tier guys, which I'll admit he's on that lower tier, he's not an upper tier guy, He's if he just continues what he has been, he's on the upper tier of the lower tier. Just day one. So... You know, again, I'm not expecting a massive amount, and injury is certainly a possibility, statistically speaking, seems probable. But for a guy that, I mean, not very long ago had nearly a thousand yards and helped the team win a Super Bowl, went to Baltimore for a single year, and again was a solid number two wide receiver for the time that he was actually on the field, as I said, better than Alan Lazard was. Um, I understand wanting to course correct any opinion that he's going to be an elite wide receiver, but nobody has that opinion. I could see being upset if everybody was saying this guy is going to be this number one elite freak, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to unleash or unlock this special thing. But nobody's saying that. In fact, the expectations for him are so low, it's it's borderline weird. I mean, Alan Lazard is the number one, and everybody just assumes Dobbs and, and Watson are going to be clearly better. In fact, Samori is probably going to be better, and Randall Cobb will be more productive, and more people are excited about Amari Rodgers at this point. 
than Sammy Watkins, at least from, you know, casually listening to what people have had to say. I can't remember hearing a single fan. Maybe when he first got signed, a couple people said some stuff. I don't know, but certainly not recently. I can't recall a single fan saying anything positive about Watkins. So, you know, I mean, if we were to just go through the roster and say who is underhyped and who is overhyped, he might be at the top of the list of underhyped players. Not good, but underhyped. Lazard is right about probably where he needs to be. Um, I think people understand he's the number one, but probably assume he'll underwhelm in that spot. I think that's correct. Cobb, again, no expectations, maybe slightly underhyped based on, you know, I think he was slightly better than what the statistics would. Um, I don't even remember exactly what statistics I found. I think it might have been third down production or something, whatever. But uh, of course, when you remove Devante from the equation, it kind of opens up a lot of stuff. And so that's maybe he has a larger role than people are giving him credit for. But I think he's probably seen at right about where he needs to be. Amari was massively undervalued his entire career until he had like, you know, a couple good plays and all of a sudden he's overhyped, which I hate because I loved being an Amari Rogers fan. You know, I'm, I'm excited about him, all this stuff. And now I just find myself going like, dude, calm down, like relax. Um, Dobbs and Watson are both probably overhyped, especially Dobbs. Ture is massively overhyped. I mean, we, we all like the young guys, so that's going to be the case of pretty much all rookies. I, I massively overhype Zach Tom. He's not even going to be a starter, and I can't stop talking about how he needs to be a starter, even though I don't know that whatsoever. For all I know, he could play week one and be trash. I don't know. But it's just one of those things where, I mean, that's that's I call myself a fanalist when I start off my last show because I, I embrace the fact that I am, I'm just a fan. You know what I mean? The analyst part is having a podcast, going over stats and looking into stuff, but I'm a fan. That's what I am. And so, yeah, I, I like tying my name to a guy like Zach Tom and saying, that's my guy. That was my guy prior to the draft. Before they even made the pick, I called out his name. I said, I hope it's Zach Tom. Boom, here comes Zach Tom. They picked him. You can find my face on the live stream before I announced it saying, I'm so happy right now. I mean, this has been my guy since before the draft started. So, yeah, I'm excited that he's doing well. Overhyped? Probably. Josh Myers is overhyped. Royce Newman? I don't know. Tunyon, I think, is overhyped. Mercedes Lewis is overhyped. Josiah DeGuara, eh, he's probably right where he needs to be. But, you know, as I scan this, I don't know that I can find anyone that deserves more credit than what they get. And, and for Sammy Watkins, it's all just, he deserves to be slightly above <laughs> average, and he's just treated like he's garbage. And not just by you. I mean, you, you are, as I said to you on Twitter today, you are the uh, the captain of that anti-Sammy Watkins hype train or whatever, but you're not alone in that. Pretty much everybody else around the league kind of makes fun of us for picking up Sammy Watkins, and Packer fans don't even have the energy to try to defend it. Like, no, you're probably right about that. They're not even interested in trying. So, you know, it's fair to have low expectations. I think it's ridiculous to act as though he's like the worst wide receiver in football. He's absolutely not. So, Maybe that's kind of the point. I don't know. And you did actually put it on Twitter. I was going to say, maybe what we need to do is define our terms a little bit so that we're not saying the same thing in different ways. You know what I mean? One person says, I think he's actually going to be trash. I bet he only gets about 500 yards. And you got me on the other side saying, he's not going to be that bad. He get Maybe he could get like 500 yards. It's just two different ways of saying the same thing. Let me see if I can find it. I'm pretty sure you gave... Uh, it's going to be pretty buried on Twitter at this point with the amount of arguing going on these days. There it is. 300 total yards for Sammy Watkins, and I'm being generous, he says. Well, that would be the first time in his career, ever. Last year was his lowest, and he had uh, 394 yards. So 
that would be his lowest of his entire career. So I would doubt it. And and that's with injuries. You know, he played, uh, he missed weeks six, seven, eight, nine. And then he came back, I guess, for the rest of the season. But it looks like he didn't really play the last few games. Or if he did, he just didn't well, didn't have an impact. I don't know. But he missed sort of a middle portion of the season, I guess. Still almost hit 400 yards. And by the way, zero yards in his last four games. So he accumulated 400 yards in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, in only nine games. And two of those were single digits. So, I mean, it's he he's very capable of, of popping off big games. 40, 50, 60, 70 yards. Week one, again, 96 yards. Um, I mean, if he has a 96-yard game, <laughs> there's, there's like 200 yards left before he's, call it 250, before he proves you're wrong. For the, and he has the rest of the season. So, again, I, I just I think that would be unlikely. Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey. I got some rapid-fire questions for you. Question what? one, what's had more needles put into it? Oh, jeez. New England Patriots deflated football okay. or Tom Brady's face? <laughs> Question number Um. Well, they're deflated, so they probably haven't seen a lot of needles, so we'll go with Tom Brady's face. Number two, what's bigger? Uh-oh. A.J. Dillon's quads <laughs> or Tom Brady's cheeks? I'm cheating a little bit. I read ahead. Uh, I mean, I got to give it to Dillon. Uh, it, it's it's a great jab, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be Dillon by a nose by or by a cheekbone. I don't know. I tried. Question number three. Yeah. What could possibly be more disappointing? Game one. The defense gives up more than 14 points. Uh-huh. The special teams looks just like it did last year. Yep. Or Romeo Dobbs fails to catch a touchdown. Have a good one, Ryan. Uh, probably special teams. I think 14 is, you're setting the bar a little low. I mean, I, th- I think the Vikings have a pretty stout offense. I don't know how this is all going to come together. In fact, I'm looking forward to very, very soon, um, sort of going in pretty hard on the Vikings. Not not with anything that I know, but just, hey, here's some things to kind of take a look at. For example, I'm really getting tired for the Bears and the Vikings of this notion that because we're different, we're better. New coach, new GM, therefore, we're better. And if you just look at the basic information of what the Vikings are changing from and going to, Kirk Cousins is, is worse in every single one of those situations. Just a brief overview here. I know we're getting way afield here, but I'm I'm I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of Vikings and Bears and Lions people bragging, and I just need to vent a little bit. So bear with me. They're going to be throwing more on first down. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, but if you just look at first down, he sucks. He sucks at throwing on first down. As far as how he ranks compared to everybody else, he goes from like the sixth best passer, depending on what metric you're looking at, to like the thirtieth best passer. So. They're bragging, hey, we're going to be throwing more on first down like everybody else does. Isn't that great? I don't know. Is it? Let's look at Kirk Cousins. Apparently, he sucks at it. Now, again, with all of the things I'm about to say, maybe this has to do with what the Vikings emphasize, and it caused problems for him. I don't don't know. They're going more from a two-wide receiver to a three-wide receiver. Exact same thing. When you look at quarterbacks with two wide receivers, Kirk Cousins is the man. You look at teams with that when they run three-wide receiver sets, Kirk Cousins is garbage. They're getting away from running the football more. They're going to be a pass-happy offense. In fact, they're, they're bragging constantly about this elite running back that they love being a slot receiver. 
okay. <laughs> why, why is that a net positive? But here's the other thing. You know who one of the best play-action passers is? Kirk Cousins. You know where he ranks when they're not doing play-action? Not very high. You take away run, you take your star running back, and you put him in the slot, you spread out the offense, you put Kirk in shotgun, everything goes to zero. You're taking away everything that works. You know what works? Put Kirk Cousins under center, you take your two star wide receivers, you put your star running back in the backfield, and you build off of the run. That's what you do. Now, if you want to do something else, that's fine. You could say, well, we're modernizing the offense. That's great. Then you need a new quarterback. You probably need a new running back. You, you know, the wide receivers are fine. Obviously, you have one that's a complete star, but Thielen is he's good, but he's aging. But anyways, all that aside, I think it's a good offense, and I think it's going to give us a little bit of a hard time. So let's just say this. If they score 17 points, am I going to be disappointed? No, I'll be excited. That's solid to me. Now, if you up that bar and say they score 25, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to cry about it, but it's not necessarily what you would expect from a dominant defense. But 17 points, I don't really have a problem with that. If Romeo Dobbs doesn't catch a touchdown pass, I'm not going to be upset because I don't even know how much he's going to be on the field. It might be a lot. I don't know. But I know Lazard, when when we go out there, first of all, it's going to be Lazard and um, Sammy Watkins. So any Packer fans, and, and you know, you can you can... Hold me to this if I end up being wrong. Believe me, I'll do, be doing backflips if you see either of the two rookies out there when we first take the field. But I think it's going to be a heavy dose, heavy dose of our starting three wide receivers, which is Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb, with those other guys being rotated in. So I'll be happy if, if Romeo Dobbs catches like three or four passes for 50, 60 yards. That's a great day. And no touchdowns, I'm more than happy with that. If the special teams looks like the special teams has in the past, that's just depressing. Because, I mean, although it's kind of the expectation, there's still that element, as I've been saying, of maybe what we saw in preseason isn't necessarily a reflection of what it's going to be. That doesn't mean we're going to be great. It just means we can't necessarily judge it. We still have to see it in its entirety. We have to see the actual starters going out and doing things that they do in game situations. Now, of course, they can get better, but that's still not the point. If you're talking 17 points, Romeo Dobbs has five catches for 60 yards, and our special teams is garbage, obviously special teams is the most depressing thing there. So that would be my thought. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Joe the janitor. What's up, man? Long time, no talk. So anyway, finished my first full week helping the brother-in-law landscaping. That a boy. Yeah going pretty good it's good work uh, you know did it for years um pretty sick of hearing about his fantasy team and <laughs> how he's got justin jefferson but you know besides <laughs> hearing about justin jefferson every other every other half hour you yeah. know 15 minutes whatever um things been going pretty good good uh, so i did i did hear a little bit of some of your podcasts and um you, you brought up the, the Wagyu beef, the A5 beef. Yeah, um, man. I got to let you know, I did buy some for Labor Day. My last paycheck from the janitor job, I think I made about 306 bucks. Spent 220 bucks on uh, about a pound of total Wagyu meat. Um, I have had it before, and it's not like any other steak that you've had. It's you can't really compare it to steak. Uh, it's more of an experience. First of all, 
no comment on spending 65% of your paycheck, uh, your last paycheck on steaks. Um, however, that's the way you're describing it is exactly how I was expecting it to be. Like, don't expect it to taste or be or anything like steak. Just think of it as a new food that's quite delicious. Something like that. But it is definitely the best piece of meat that you could probably ever eat. And there you taste. go. Um, the fat is not as you would expect. Like on a ribeye or New York strip, it's in the meat and it's delicious. Um, that's just my take on that. Anyway, I do have a question for you. All right. So um, I could see Aaron Rodgers throwing for 5,000 yards this year. Okay. And not any single receiver getting 1,000 yards. Um, I believe the ball's going to be tossed around to everyone, evenly distributed. Uh, maybe a few guys will step up. I think um, Sammy Watkins is going to have a big year. Um, we got Romeo Dubs. Alan Zard, Randall Cobb, I mean, the list goes on. Tunyon's going to catch the ball. We got Jones, I mean, um, maybe we got some receivers that got 800, 900 yards, but mm-hmm. what do you foresee? Can you see Rodgers throwing for 5,000 yards, which is a lot for him, and um, and not one of the receivers getting 1,000 yards? Anyway, I'll call back again, hopefully. I have some time soon. Have a good one. Biggest fan. So I think that would be tough. Um, Leaving aside the part where, like you said, Rodgers doesn't usually throw for 5,000 yards and he just lost Devontae. Um, I mean, I I get it. He's going to improve without Devontae and all that. Um, But I mean, if if, how many receivers is he going to have? It's a lot. I I know that. Let's take a look real quick. How many guys are going to catch a pass? We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, I guess seven. We'll assume Samore at least gets one reception at some point. So seven. The tight ends would make it 11. The running backs would be 13. So 13 different people. And yeah, there's going to be maybe some people that come up, go down, whatever, but let's just call it 13. It's averaging 400 yards for everybody. I mean, that's Samori Ture, that's Amari Rogers, that's Tyler Davis, that's Josiah DeGuara. I just have to assume that to offset that, well, let's just play with the numbers real quick. We'll just make up numbers. Lazard gets 700, or we should maybe go on the high side of these. Let's say he gets 950. Uh, Watkins gets, let's say, 500. He's doing fine, but he gets hurt at some point. Cobb, last year had 375. Let's say he adds another 400. Um, then we got Watson. Let's say he fills in for the Sammy Watkins role. So he ends up with like 600 and Romeo's just been a solid guy. He's, let's say he kind of crushes it this year. He gets 700 yards. We got Amari who last year had 45 total yards. Let's say he bumps that up to 300 because we're just talking receiving. So any rushing he's doing doesn't matter at all. We're still not even quite to 3,500 yards. Samori Ture, I'll give him, be generous and say 100 yards. Um, then we look at the tight ends. Tunyon could be a big one. Um, let's say Tunyon has 750. And then Mercedes Lewis, we're getting close. We, we might even be there when we just look at the running backs. But um, Mercedes Lewis had 214. We'll go 250. Josiah had 245. We'll add another 300. 
not 600, 300. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're definitely there. We're at 48.50. Tyler Davis, I don't care, we'll do 200. So we're already there. So it's it's not impossible, but there's a lot of guys getting a lot of yards. I mean, I outside of Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard had basically 500 yards last year, and Aaron Jones had 520. Um, we're we're project we're projecting Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, um, and Robert Tunyon all cracking those numbers. These are guys that did not do it last year that we're saying are gonna do it. Um, and yeah, we are spreading the ball out a lot, so this is a lot of Devontae Adams targets, but it's it's a it's a pretty big spread. Yeah, we can we can dump some of those down. I didn't realize we were gonna overshoot it by so much. We can bring some of those numbers down because Again, Aaron Jones had almost 550 yards. A.J. Dillon had 300-some-odd yards. He's probably going to go up substantial. I mean, at least 550 and 400, right? So that's over 1,000 yards from the running backs. That would almost be a better way to do it. Let's, let's one, one more attempt, and then I'm done. And I'm going to subtract this time. So let's say we get uh, a clean 1,000 yards from the running backs. And then um, let's just call it another 1,000 from the tight ends. Whatever Robert Tunyon gets, let's say it's 750, you know, 700-ish. Let's say it's a lot. Lewis, DeGuara, and Tyler Davis make up the rest. So we would need 3,000 yards from the rest of our wide receivers. It's, it's still a lot because we're, we're talking an average of roughly 500 yards per guy. I mean, again, we, we can really get close to 1,000 with maybe one of them. We can do Lazard at 900. Let's say Sammy and Watson combined for 1,000. And then even if you've got, you know, Romeo and Randall combining for another 1,000, we need another 100 yards between Amari and Samori, which they probably get over. But, I mean, it's, it's close. And, again, we're, we're relatively on the high side, I guess. So it's not impossible. It's not as crazy as I was initially thinking when you said it. Um, but, again, if you just look at who got what last year, um, Jones and Lazard were the only ones over 500. Now, if you take the 1,643 yards and redistribute those, you're going to have to push several guys up over. In fact, let's just do this real quick. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. There were 17 guys that caught passes not named Devontae Adams. Let's say it's the same thing. You're adding 100 yards per, and obviously some are going to be more toward the other, but you can just tack on 100 yards on average. So I think we put that in the hot take category because it's very unlikely, but not impossible. Uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. If you want to call in to this here show, 608-501-0718. We're doing a survey. I just put it on Patreon for now. I may extend that out if we don't get enough responses. But just kind of getting feedback for the different shows. What do you guys think on a scale of 1 to 10? And then, you know, some comments. And one of the comments for this show was that they kind of wish there was a way for non-American listeners to call in. Um, and so I do want to work on that because we do have a lot of obviously non-American, uh, listeners that are very diehard. And if they want to call in, they should be able to. So, um, I will look on my end. I know Goose is able to do it, so I I can hit him up. But one of the things I believe you can do, and it's probably too much of a hassle, but if you really want to, I believe all you really need is an American phone number, and you can get one of those. There are apps and things where you can uh, go get a new phone number, and I believe you can get an American phone number. So once you go to Google, you can go to Google Voice, or maybe even just get the app on your phone so that it's a number, and then maybe Google Voice will work. I'm not sure. But just see if you can try that. Find an app on your phone, whether you have an iPhone or Android. I know I've, I've used it in the past. 
and you can, I think you just pick a phone number. They have available phone numbers. You pick whatever area code you want or whatever, and you can just use it. Try that. See if that works. But anyways, we will take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm excited about next year's practice squad. What does that mean for next year's team? Um, new caller, by the way, don't have a name. So, uh, I, that just came in. So it's not my fault that I didn't go with that call first, but, um, I'm not sure if we should insert a name now or not, but thanks for calling. I am excited about next year's practice squad. What does that mean for next year's team? I feel like this is a riddle. I don't know if I have an answer for you, dude. (laughs) Who's next year's practice squad? Let me change your question a little bit so that I can at least give some kind of an answer. I like this year's practice squad. What does that mean for next year? I think overall, I know that the, the core of the team is like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, that's, that's about it. But I really like what we're building beyond that. That, that. that is the biggest misconception among every Green Bay Packer hater is once Rodgers leaves, this team goes to zero. And I think the national media buys that as well. It's They have always viewed the Packers as a bottom five roster with the greatest quarterback of all time dragging them around, and it's just nonsense. If you look at, and part of this is just hype, but if you just look at some of the most exciting pieces on this team, they're very young players. The wide receivers, it's Romeo Dobbs, it's Christian Watson, it's Samori Ture, and now there's a new found excitement for Amari Rodgers. We all like Lazard, but if we found out that Lazard was not coming back next year, I don't think hearts would break across the, the globe. Offensive line, it's Elton Jenkins, who still has not even received his, his first big contract. It's Josh Myers, it's John Runyon, it's Zach Tom, it's Rashid Walker, it's Yash Nyman. Going to the practice squad, it's Caleb Jones. I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, David Bakhtiari is the main driving force, but it's not as though, like a lot of teams, we got one guy and everybody else, it just kind of sucks. Now, we, it remains to be seen what Myers can do and what Royce can do and what Zach Tom can do and what any of these guys can actually do as starters. But the fact that there's real excitement, and it's not the case that that's always how it is. You always get excited about the new guys. No, there's a lot of times we look at it and go, this, this absolutely sucks. Toward the end of Ted Thompson's tenure was the first time I actually really started to hate and be fearful of our offensive line. Like, it was bad. And nobody we brought in was helping anything. 
This is not that. Um, tight end, we don't necessarily have that. I guess Tunyon is somewhat young. I'm still kind of excited about DeGuara, but maybe we don't have that guy there. But running back, you know, A.J. Dillon might kind of, or excuse me, Aaron Jones might kind of be getting a little bit older, but A.J. Dillon is the man. That's the that's the biggest thing. If if we found out Aaron Jones wasn't coming back next year, and I'm not saying that that's the case, but we would have comfort in knowing that A.J. Dillon is ready to rock and roll. You know, Kenny Clark, believe it or not, is still relatively young. He's 26. He's got a solid four more years. Beyond that, though, it's T.J. Slayton, who was a 2021 draft pick, and Devontae Wyatt, who was drafted this year at edge rusher. Rashawn Gary is the guy we're excited about, as well as Kingsley and Agbar. At linebacker, Devondre Campbell's the man, but Quay Walker is sort of that up-and-coming guy that we're excited about as far as now and the future. You'd be hard-pressed to find a single position that's like, well, once, once that one old guy leaves, they're in trouble. There isn't that thing. Cornerback, Jair, Stokes, even Razul is only 27. If we wanted, to, It's not as though we picked up some 32-year-old guy that is just filling in for a day. I mean, he could be on the team for three more years before he cracks 30. I think if you were to pick one position that, that fits that criteria, it's safety. We don't really know what we have in Darnell Savage. Now, if he ends up being a hit, that's great. Then, then we've got that really young guy in that position. But Amos is pushing 30, and there's nothing really behind him. Um, I don't think there's even really any expectation of anybody. The three safeties that are on the 53 are special teamers. Tariq Carpenter, Dallin Levitt, and Rudy Ford. So I, I think that would be the one area of of emphasis for the Packers going forward. But yeah, I'm I'm excited too when you look at the practice squad and you look at the guys that are on there, like Kobe Jones, who really showed out. Um, Tyler Goodson, who really showed out. Jack Heflin, who was impressive. Uh, Chris Slayton showed a little bit here and there. Keandre Thomas, I thought was fantastic. Ladarius Hamilton, I thought was fantastic. Um, Ray Wilborn showed a lot, especially on, on special teams. Caleb Jones absolutely could be the next Yash Nyman. Juwan Winfrey, who was a reliable wide receiver target in, in a pinch. So the idea that, and, and yes, it's true. If Rogers were to disappear today, the team would struggle because every team has to have a quarterback. But the idea that it's a bad roster with a great quarterback is false. This is a team that has done an unbelievable job of, of getting a bunch of hits so that even, you know, and, and, you, and you get those long-term investments, and that's the thing that everybody's all upset about it, because we want guys to hit day one. Well, if you get one guy to hit in day one, or year one, one guy to hit in year two, one guy to hit in year three, one guy to hit in year four, you know, and add a couple twos in there, suddenly, now you, you don't just have the guys from this year like Quay, and like Zach Tom, and like Romeo Dobbs, and maybe Christian Watson that hit year one. Maybe Devontae doesn't. Maybe Ford and, and Akbar and Tariq and Rashid and Sean Ryan maybe the, and Samore. Maybe these guys don't break out year one. But what about Amari in year two? What about Josh Myers in year two? What about Royce in year two? We've also got the year two breakouts. What about the year three breakouts from 2020? John Runyon, Jake Hansen, A.J. Dillon's kind of already broke out, Josiah DeGuara. And so they've just done a fantastic job of making sure that every year the team continues to improve and they just keep restocking and they're so good at restocking the back end of the roster and it just all filters up. Guys on the back end get better and better and better and they slowly rise to the top like Yash Nyman again, another example of a guy that was just cast off. They're doing so much work on the back end, he just continues to rise and now we have this great backup offensive tackle. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. 
So I don't think I answered your question in any way whatsoever, but it's the best that I can do. So I apologize for that. Hey, Ryan, on the flippity flip, yeah. question would be, Catch on what would be the most exciting to see for the first game against Minnesota Vikings? Okay. Dobbs scoring two or more touchdowns. Awesome. Or all the rookies that start scoring above an 80% on PFF. Or the defense shutting out the Vikings. Again, I'm not going to go with Dobbs, as awesome as that is, because there are just too many things that can be one-offs with with individual players. Um, it would still be awesome, no question about it, but the other two would be the biggest. Um, the defense shutting down or shutting out the Vikings is huge because it's, you know, it's not impossible for a subpar defense to, I guess, get lucky or to say that the Vikings just completely fell off, but I'm pretty sure you've got to have a pretty substantially talented defense to be able to pull that off. An 80 or higher on PFF for all the rookies that start? Now, start would be questionable, because it would really just be Quay. He'd probably be the only one that actually gets a start designation, but if we're talking played in any significant amount, you'd be talking Quay, Slayton, um, Dobbs, and Watson, I believe. Maybe Kingsley as well. That would be massive because although one or two of them maybe are flukes and we don't really see that again, some of them are not going to be. Some of them are going to be legit. And to have four or five guys, Walker, Wyatt, Dobbs, Watson, to be able to perform at that level, I don't know. I don't know which one I would prefer, to be honest. I'm, I'm leaning toward the rookies just because of, of what that could mean going forward. I mean, first of all, Dobbs and Watson... I mean, just the fact that Watson got an 80 overall, having done nothing in the preseason, that by itself would be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is amazing. Like, you're te- we already knew Dobbs has got something, but now you're telling me we got Dobbs and Watson? Now we're starting to daydream about by week four or five or whenever it's going to happen. Those are those are wide receivers one and two already, taking over for Lazard and Sammy Watkins. On top of that, Devontae Wyatt, which, you know, again, I would expect a little bit of reg- regression there and whatnot, but he would have to have a heck of a day. He's got pressures, and he's also dominating against the run. And there's also, again, just kind of what am I thinking in the back of my head? He maybe struggled a little bit when he was out there in the preseason, but when you get Kenny next to you and Rashawn on the other side and Quay and Campbell behind you, same thing with Quay, by the way, it changes the whole dynamic, and it it makes it a lot easier for you to to be able to just do a decent job in your own area, and you don't have to worry about anybody else because everybody else has got their, their situation covered. So I think I would lean that direction. The shutout one is is a close second, but I would lean 80 overall, and we're talking Quay, Wyatt, Dobbs, Watson, maybe Kingsley. Not sure he would fit in that mix. Oh, and Jack Coco. Jack Coco would have to be an 80 overall uh, guy too. Hey, Ryan Clayton here. Just what got up? a couple questions, man. Um, actually, three. Uh, obviously, we're stepping into game week, and uh, just wanted to get your take. Um, Three predictions, and you have to answer. All right, no, no skating around it. Dang it! Will David Bakhtiari be in the starting lineup on Sunday, September 11th against the Vikings? Uh, you know, I, I, I find it better for myself to be a bit of a pessimist. That way, my hopes and dreams aren't crushed. So I'm going to say no. I don't think he is. Um, in fact, I don't think Elton Jenkins is either. I think it's a great sign. That um, and I think that's your next question, so I shouldn't have done that. Um, I think it's a great sign that 
None of them were given an injury designation, which means they they do believe they'll be back soon enough. Um, but I'm going to say no to week one. But I don't know. Will Elton Jenkins be in the starting lineup on September 11th? I'll, I'll I'll we'll do that anyways. I'm going to lean no, but it's it's a it's closer to yes for Elton just because he's been practicing like a week earlier. I think something like that. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, again, I'm going to lean no, and, and a lot of that is just to protect myself emotionally. <laughs> if I start telling myself they're going to be ready and then they don't, it's going to be somewhat disappointing. But um, I, I suppose there's there's an even stronger chance if you just say, you know, one of the two. Um, but I'm going to lean no for for both, I guess. And will we call up either Taylor or Goodson or just roll with the two running backs on the active roster for game day. Appreciate your time, man. Talk to you soon. So, yeah, that, that's one of the things I've been seeing a lot about is, um, you know, obviously we're going to call up one of the running backs on game day, but I, I, I guess I just don't understand why we would do it the way that we're doing it, if that's the plan. Why wouldn't we just do that to begin with? Now, maybe some of it has to do with we'll be bringing Hill back. I don't know. Um, but that seems to be the consensus that I'm seeing is they're, they're not going to carry two on game day. I, I And I get that. That makes perfect sense. I, I just can't quite wrap my head around what the point is of us doing things the way that we're doing things. If Goodson's going to be activated or Taylor's going to be activated, why did we put them on the practice squad first? Unless, again, the concern is somebody being stolen, for example, like Samori Ture. Because somebody's got to go back down to the practice squad if somebody's coming up or get, you know, whatever, cut or whatever. Um, and so maybe that's, a, or, or, you know, Jonathan Ford or something. We were just really scared about losing one of our draft picks. So we'll bring up, now that everybody's kind of already taken care of all their business, at least hopefully, um, we can bring up Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, and drop Jonathan Ford down, or Tariq Carpenter, probably not, or Samori Ture or something. Um in hopes that that lessens the odds of them being stolen to another team. But I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not really sure how that's all going to transpire, and it'll be interesting enough to see that. But that, that does seem to be my thought, is that they will carry three on, on game day. I just don't know exactly why we're doing things the way we're doing things. Hey, man. Um, hey, man. Just saw your uh, shout-out uh, begging for phone calls. I so. do that, yep. I haven't called in a while. Wanted to touch base with you about TV shows you should watch. I don't know if you've mentioned a show called Avenue Five. Avenue Five. It's on Hulu. I don't remember what streaming service I watched it on, but it was funny. Um, notable uh, cast members: Zach Woods played Gabe on The Office. Oh, Andy yeah. Buckley played David Wallace on The Office. There you go. They're both incredible in this show. Perfect. And. Zach Wood's performance and his character makes it worth watching every single episode. Uh, so that's all I got right now. I'll try to call tomorrow. Keep talking. I'll keep listening. Go Petco. So I really, I, I stand by the fact that Zach Woods is the most underrated character on The Office. Um, and if you watch, I think I've gone over this before, but if you watch the outtakes, um, that that that's what sold him. For me, but even just going back through the show, just certain things that he does, um, 
I just I think he is an underrated comedian. I think he's hilarious. I think he does a good. I mean, he's such an awkward character. It's easy to really just dislike him and his character and everything. But as an actor, I every time I go back through the office, I get more and more impressed with Zach Woods or Gabe Gabe Lewis um, on the office. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that. In fact, I don't even know of anything else Gabe has ever done. So I'm gonna do that. You said it's on Hulu because that's that's my jam right now is Hulu. I've been binging some Hulu. I've been doing uh, Deadliest Catch. I've gone through that several times, but I don't. I feel like I've never started from the beginning because I'm 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 on like season two or three right now, and I'm like I still don't even know who these boat captains are. We're we're not even to the part that I'm used to, which is like the drama with the Cornelia Marie and all that. Like the uh, the oldest son just just got on the boat as a greenhorn and he sucks and everything. And I, I think now he's like the captain of the boat, which um, I kind of I kind of got off the train after. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm big on the drama. And early on, there isn't a lot. It's just a lot of fishing and, and obviously the danger and whatnot. Then they get heavy in the drama stuff. And then it starts to kind of fade away a little bit. And a lot of the, the original cast guys start to leave and Anyways, um, so yeah, I got to check that out. I'm, let me look right now and make sure it's on Hulu. Oh, I can't because you need to have the HBO subscription on top of it, I think. HBO Max, total due today. So it's an extra 15 bucks to get that, and that's not a thing I'm going to be willing to do, but maybe if I can find it somewhere else. Hello. Hey, Ryan. Hey, there he is. Packer super fan. What up? Um... Just want to get your thoughts on uh, David Bakhtiari and Elton <laughs> Jenkins. And what- you guys are incredible, by the way. This happens every single day when there's there's like one topic that at least two people, if not three, hit on. So kudos to you guys for uh, being exactly on the same page. I think they might come back. Um, just reading the tea leaves here, it sounds to me like they certainly will not be ready for week one. Um i just curious what you think when they may be ready. Um, you would think Bakhtiari would probably be ahead of Elton Jenkins, although I wouldn't be surprised if Elton Jenkins actually starts before Bakhtiari does. Um, if I had to guess right now, I'd say Elton's probably week three, Bakhtiari maybe week four or week five, somewhere in there. Just curious what you think. Here's what I'll say. Um, I think they're both not going to play week one. And we're going to despair and be sad and depressed and everything. Um, And then just, this doesn't even really make a lot of sense, but just bear with me. Just for the sake of drama, they're not going to play week two either, or at least both of them aren't. You know, one one of them will, one of them won't. Um, But the, the full strength game will be week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because that's going to be when we're back to full strength and going up against the, you know, those guys. Now, is that my actual prediction based on anything rational? No. I will say, though, there's there's if they're not ready week one, they're not ready week one. Week two is one of those games. It is a divisional opponent. We'll see how they play week one. Maybe they surprise a lot of people. I don't know. But if you're 99.3% ready to go, just sit them for the Bears game. Let's get all the way up to 100% for the Buccaneers game. How about that? I don't think we need to rush back for the Bears. If you're ready, you're ready. I mean, if you're at 100%, I'm not going to say, eh, who cares? Come back for the Bucs. If you're ready, you play. But uh, again, if you're not fully, fully ready, I'm not worried about uh, Chicago Week 2. 
But the Buccaneers are one of those games that maybe you start to rush back, especially if we lose. Let's say we lose to the Vikings. So now we're 1-1 one and one and we're going up against the Buccaneers who are, let's say they're probably 2-0 and oh, and um, looking to dominate the division. And for from a morale standpoint, I think maybe we try to hurry back as best as we can those those other guys. So I'll say full strength week three. And there's a good chance that one of the two is back prior to week three. That's going to be my full answer to that question. But uh, fingers crossed for good news about week one. We'll see how it goes. But anyways, that's it. That's all we got. Thank you very much to all the callers, especially those that uh, reached out just because I begged. <laughs> I always appreciate that. 